0: Thank you guys for listening to another episode of First and Ten, a Tennessee Titans podcast from the Nashville Post. I'm Michael Gallagher, the Post Sports Reporter. Joining me as always is our summer intern, Austin Wright. Today's special guest, we have Mike Herndon. He is one of the senior writers for Broadway sports media. Uh, I don't think anyone on Twitter tweets about the Titans as much as this guy does. So if you want, if you want to stay in the loop on what's going on, even if you want to know about the fourth string tight end that they just signed or The third string kicker that's that's not on the roster yet he knows about it so make sure you follow him on twitter but thank you guys for joining me really excited about this episode
1: yeah i appreciate you having me Uh, i'm excited to uh, jump on with you guys
0: so the titans they they started training camp officially the first official practice was yesterday they started on tuesday kind of getting to see glimpses of some of the players obviously not all the veterans are there practicing don't really expect them to Uh, but there's been there's been a lot of turnover especially on the defense. That's kind of what I want to focus on today. There, there seems to be an overwhelming sense that the Titans this year are going to go as far as the defense will carry them. The offense, you can make the argument, got a little bit better than last year. Obviously the switch from Arthur Smith to Todd Downing is something to keep an eye on, but the defense is really kind of what I think a lot of people are focusing, focusing on to how successful this team can be. So I kind of wanted to get your guys, get you guys opinion on this year. It, it, you'd think there's only one way to go but up after finishing with the 28th overall defense last year. And I've seen a few people say, don't really hold it against Shane Bowen because technically while he was the unofficial defensive coordinator, he still wasn't able to fill that role the way he was because he was more focused on being the full-time inside linebackers coach. This year now doesn't have to worry about that. He is fully solely in charge of the defense. So my question to you guys is how much do we believe that Shane Bowen's attention was kind of torn between defensive coordinator and linebackers coach and what are some reasonable expectations from him this year in the full time role? Mike will start with you and then Austin you can jump in.
1: Yeah, I mean I would say for me, I definitely think that there was some general confusion, I think, on the defense last year between you had Mike Vrabel who by his own, you know, admission was running the defensive meetings. And then when he couldn't be there, you know, if he had other meetings he had to be in, Bowen would step up. So I think having kind of a split voice in, in that room can lead to some confusion about, you know, who, who's, you know, even even if Bowen and Vrabel are very tightly tied together and communicating every day and trying their best to kind of be one voice, two, there's still two different voices. And, and so I think there's certainly some confusion there. I, I think this year it's much clearer. um Although the, the addition to Jim Schwartz does throw a little bit of a, a wrinkle in there, but I think Vrabel's done a pretty good job of making it clear so far that this is Shane Bowen's defense. Schwartz is here to help, but he is not the defensive coordinator. It is Shane Bowen's defense. So I think the lines of communication being clearer this year could help them. Um, and, you know, Bowen. For, for what it's worth, you know, anytime you're new at a job, you know, this is his first time playing, making, you know, play calls at any level. Um, and, and your first time at a job, probably not your best, uh, you know, your, your best year at, at a job uh, is not usually your first one. So I think giving him room to grow, giving him an opportunity to really have the full reins of the defense this year. Uh, Could make a difference. And, you know, all you got to do is look back at Jim Schwartz as an example, really took over, very young uh, defensive coordinator for the Titans back in 2001. They were coming off the year where they were, you know, arguably the best defense in the league, uh, right there with the Ravens, one and two there. And they fell all the way down to, uh, you know, I think 25th in overall defense in 2001, uh, Schwartz's first year. A lot of people were calling for his head then. Uh, His second year, they jumped from 25th to 11th uh, in in scoring defense. So I think that's what you hope to see from a Shane Bowen. And the fact that he's got Schwartz kind of in the building to kind of help him and and maybe shepherd some of that growth helps that belief.
2: Yeah, and I would add to that that, again, with all the reshuffling that they had to do last year on the defensive front for the coordinator, I think that Shane Bowen does – deserve a little bit of slack just for the fact that he did have to deal with that. Um, But I do think that going into his first year in a coordinator role, I don't think there needs to be too high of expectations because of that. I do think he has good pieces to work with, with Danico Autry uh, and all those guys in the defense, Janoris Jenkins, like all those guys. I think that he has great pieces to work with, but it is still going to be something of a work in progress, just for the fact that he, like you said, Mike, he hasn't done this before in this type of role. I I do think that it's gonna take a little bit of time just as the season progresses. And I do think it's gonna be a rough start, but probably better as the season goes on. So I do think that there will be uh, some room for him to grow and be able to find his footing as a defensive coordinator throughout the season.
0: And I I think the Jim Schwartz, Point that you made, Mike, is is great because it, it provides provides him a, a mentor, so to speak, and someone who Jim Schwartz can put his arm around. And be like, hey, look, I've been there. My first year wasn't so great either. This is what I did that helped me. Here's what some other other coaches have told me and helped me. And I think it's I think it's something. Obviously, there's there's fans that want Jim Schwartz to just be the defensive coordinator. That's not going to happen. He is he's an assistant in that advisory role. But I do think it's a, it's an important addition that they made. To the staff almost as much as maybe adding some of the, the players that they had, because he's going to help just be a sounding board for shane bowen and i, I think with as bad as the defensive defense was last year having two different voices kind of leading leading that group it was it was i don't want to say you give him a pass but you kind of understand the situation a little bit more i mean everyone want to talk about the worst third down defense in nfl history one of the worst red zone defenses i mean we get it they were bad but also i think something john robinson kind of he hasn't come right out and directly said this but in his media availability he's had with us before the draft when the when the offseason started i almost kind of got the sense that that john robinson believes that the defensive struggles were more personnel based than they were coaching and we saw that with the turnover i mean so many players you're looking at six starters from last year gone with jack crawford daquan jones Clowney, vaccaro butler Jonathan Joseph midway through the season was gone. Adoree Jackson's gone. Desmond King will come so many people that had large roles on this team are gone. Do we think that with all the players that they've signed, you know, Danico Autry, Bud Dupree, Janoris Jenkins, even drafting Caleb Farley, Elijah Molden, Rashad Weaver, do we feel like John Robinson has given Shane Bowen the pieces to be successful? If not this year, at least be successful long-term with with some of the guys he's brought in.
1: I think think he's made a step in the right direction. You know, obviously, you don't know until these guys get on the field and, and Dupree and Farley specifically, you know, still dealing with the injuries. We'll see when they get out there for training camp and, and all that stuff. But I do think if you're looking at side by side, what they started the year with last year, because you got to kind of str- scratch Dory Jackson from what that starting lineup looked like last year. And you really got to scratch Christian Fulton because he barely got a training camp. And then he was, Uh, out with COVID and then he came back and then he had the knee injury and he was just kind of in and out so much that, you know, he barely got an install um, on the defense. So if you look at what they were running out there, a lot of Jonathan Joseph, a lot of Ty Smith, uh, a lot of Chris Jackson as a seventh round rookie coming in. And again, I've made this point before, but no rookie minicamp, no OTAs, no minicamp. Uh, a shortened training camp, no preseason games. There was a lot of adversity for the younger guys coming in that just did not get the opportunity to, for reps and the opportunity to learn that normal rookie classes do. Now, that's not a necessarily an excuse because other rookies overcame that, right? You look around the league and guys like Justin Jefferson and you know Tristan Wirfs, you know wh- whoever you want to point to. Those guys still managed to have great years, but I do think it's a, a important part of the context around what. Shane Bowen was asked to deal with uh, right out of the gate. He had basically practice squad level corners at two spots, uh, two of the three, you know, quote unquote starting spots. And then at edge rusher, Clowney came in, was, you know, kind of clearly gassed at the end of games early and then was hurt and lost for the rest of the season. And, you know, by the end of the year, you've got, uh, you know, Brooks Reed and, um, you know Wyatt Ray and guys that were not even on NFL rosters for most of the season, playing important snaps in the playoffs for you at, at an edge rush spot. So I, I think he's certainly part of the equation last year was the personnel, and I think the moves that, like you said, John Robinson's moves certainly indicate that yes, they agree uh, that it was a largely personnel, but. um they brought in a ton of guys. I'm I'm high on Janoris Jenkins, Jack Rabbit. I think he's going to be a good player for them. I think he replaces Malcolm Butler at, at least, you know, even uh, talent level wise, and maybe even a little bit better. Um, the The question I've really got is those other corners though. Hey, what What is Christian Fulton? What is Caleb Farley? Is he able to get healthy? What is Elijah Molden? You know, can they get something out of Chris Jackson or Breon Borders in in their second year here? Um, those guys there's so many question marks at that position group and i think that's kind of almost the spot where you go and you look and i know the pass rush was so bad last year and everything like that but that pass rush and the coverage kind of goes hand in hand and if those corners are not good i don't know how big of an impact bud Dupree is going to be, be able to make or denico autry or even you know tier tart if he does emerge as kind of an extra piece in that defensive line rotation so um yeah, I think that's kind of where the big questions are. And and I I, I think they're they've got a lot of talent on the roster, but we got to see how it all comes together and fits.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it is a little bit more of a personnel issue just the fact that like they like you said that there were a lot of changes last year with a lot of movement in the defense from just being trades or just getting rid of players and especially the additions in the draft as well. I do think that Christian Fulton will be A very important piece for the defense, and his growth will be uh, very helpful for that secondary out there. And if he doesn't do well, I'm not sure the rest of the secondary in general will be able to succeed. And I do think that Jonoris Jenkins was a great addition, and he'll be a good, gritty player for the Titans and can add very valuable uh, plays for the defense and be able to stop those receivers. But I do think that, like you said, Mike, it does start up front. Uh, with all the defensive line, I do think that like Danico Autry and all of them, they all need to be able to come together and find a way to have good chemistry. And they already are doing that. And they've been quoted as saying that we're starting over. Basically, we're all trying to get together on the same page and try and work together as a group rather than just like individual efforts. And so I think because of that. Just their work, even off the field as well. That's going to be able to help them as well throughout the season. And I do think that they will be able to be better than they were last year.
0: And That kind of kind of segues into the next topic I want to talk about. To your to your point, like the the pass rush and the secondary do kind of go hand in hand. A lot of a lot of people maybe not understand how they kind of work together, but you could tell just from looking at Ke- Kevin Byard's season last year, you could tell how much he was being asked to do that the Titans could not get to the quarterback because he wasn't dropping into coverage as much as he was his pass breakups and his interception rate is down from what he traditionally has been and that's because he was asked to kind of play a different role he was he was kind of moving up into kind of like the linebacker territory a little bit more than he normally has and that's that's i think that's an under underrated kind of thing that you see when defenses are bad is how if one position group is really bad how the other try to cut, to compensate and mask it so my next question that I want to talk about because I think it is one of the more intriguing topics of, of the entire team as we get ready to start the season is which position group is under more pressure the pass rush or the secondary because they both weren't great last year the secondary they, they were tied for third in interceptions and they were tied for second in passes defense that, that those are numbers you hope translate into this season but 29th and pass yards allowed 31st and touchdown passes Twenty second completion percentage, 29th in, in total receptions allowed. It, overall their body of work wasn't great. You look at the pass rush, obviously we know that they had very little sacks. They were tied for 30th in quarterback pressures, 29th in hits, uh, 28th in QB hurries, 22nd in QB knockdowns. They just were not good at getting to the quarterback. Obviously, we like we just said, they they both kind of have to work hand in hand. But what do you I'm interested in your guys' opinion, which position group do you think is under more pressure to perform this year?
1: I, I've got to go with the, the pass rush for me to, to be under more pressure. I, I have more questions, I guess, about the cornerback group, because um, I do think Bud Dupree, we know what he is as a player. Now, coming off the injury, You know, we'll see if that changes anything. We know what Harold Landry is as a player at this point. Um, and then the guys on the inside, too, I don't think they should be left out of the conversation. Jeffrey Simmons, Denico Autry, those guys, all, all four of them, have got to come up and, and start making plays. And I think Landry and Simmons did make some plays uh, last season. Now Simmons was better early than I think he was late, and I I wonder—you know—I speculate. This is just speculation, but the COVID uh, deal with him—we know that he got COVID mid-season. I do, and we've heard Miles Garrett talk about you know the effect that it had on him. It affects everyone differently, but we know that. But. I wonder if Simmons didn't have more adverse effects from that than he might have let on. Um, Because simply because his level of play and disruption dropped off pretty significantly after he came back from the COVID list. Now, I I mean, that Vikings game, if you remember back to early last season, he was an absolute unblockable monster in the middle of that defense. And in that that final drive when the Vikings were trying to put together a quick drive to come back and answer the Titans go ahead uh, field goal. Simmons almost single handedly single handedly destroyed that drive um, and we didn't really see that level of domination from him again towards until very late in the season so I'm interested to see what he looks like but I think those guys are under a lot of pressure you can't have 19 sacks again you just can't and and while the secondary was a big problem last year the pass rush also missed opportunities There there's countless missed sacks where they just whiffed on the quarterback in the backfield. That, that can't continue to happen. Um, and I think probably the biggest offender of that is now uh, a Cleveland Brown. Uh, but you've still got to, when you get home, you've got to finish. And I think that group is under a lot of pressure. And Bud Dupree specifically paid $82.5 million to come in and be the guy in this pass rush. So he's got a lot of uh, weight on his shoulders by himself just to come in and produce right away.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to have to be the pass rush that's going to have more pressure this uh, offseason and going into the season. I do think that their growth and the, the trades that the Titans made, the pickups to get Bud Dupree, I think that those additions will be effective for them. But I do think that they still have a lot of room to grow. And uh, like I said earlier, like they're getting their chemistry together. They're finding a way to work together more. But I do think that they're going to have a lot more pressure on them because last year they – were ranked in towards the bottom of the league in defense for or for the defensive line, excuse me. And even for this season, they're ranked 23rd according to Pro Football Focus. And so, I mean, that needs to get up for them to have a very successful season because obviously the offense is loaded. They're going to be good, but can the defense be good? But And with that, I think that it starts up front with Danico Autry and Bud Dupree, as well as Jeffrey Simmons, of course. With those guys, they're going to be the main guys for them to have a successful season. And I think that if they can work together very well, then the whole defense as a whole can get a better uh, season going. But I I don't know if, if that Bud Dupree will be the greatest addition that they have, but I do think that he'll be effective and be able to still play at a high level. But overall for the defense, I think that they're still gonna have a lot more to work on overall in this off season.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with both of you. I think the the pass rush is definitely kind of under the microscope a little bit more just because it was such, it was a more noticeable flaw last year. The secondary had their struggles, but for the most part, you didn't really notice it too much because the pass rush was just so bad. But I'm going to play devil's advocate for the reason you mentioned, Mike. I, I have a lot of questions about the secondary. We know it's going to be Hooker and Byard as your as your safeties, but outside of Janoris Jenkins as your presumed number one, you don't really know what's going to happen. We, we think Christian Fulton is going to be a number two, but is he really ready for that? He played in six games last year. He looked good. He had an interception, I think, in his, his first game. But outside of that, we, we didn't really get to see a lot of them because of the injuries, the, the stints on the COVID list. He's very much a question mark. Caleb Farley, same thing. Talent wise, yes, he should be your number one cornerback within two or three years. Obviously if he was healthy, he would have been a top a top ten pick this year, but he falls to you because of that injury concern. And when you're playing cornerback, you know, you, you kind of need to be able to move. You need your hips, you need your back, and those those are those are some areas that he's he's been injured a lot in. And it just kind of there's there's almost too many question marks in the secondary because you could you would you would think ideally, Holton and jenkins would be your outside corners elijah Molden would kind of take over in the slot until caleb farley's ready and then maybe you can kind of move him around a little bit but we honestly don't really know what's going to happen there and I, i i do think that i want to say that they can be successful because if on paper this this group looks you know almost kind of even with the group last year maybe you give last year's group a little bit more of an edge because malcolm butler had such a good year but you started the year with Jonathan Joseph as your number two cornerback, and he was cut halfway through the year. So obviously, that didn't work out so well. I feel like the potential is there for the secondary, but there's just a lot of what ifs. I feel like there's a lot of this has to go right, this has to go right, and this has to go right for this to work. And that just kind of worries me a little bit, like you were like you were saying earlier.
1: know, yeah, with that.
0: Oh, good. Right, ahead. Go ahead. No, you can go
1: ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's um, the question marks. You know, it's it's kind of. I could see either scenario playing out, right? Like I could see the stars kind of aligned for the Titans and hey, Farley works out, Fulton steps up, Jenkins is kind of his old self. And you've got a really good secondary if that happens, because I, I really think Bayard and, and Hooker are solid in the back end. Um, but you could see it going the other way too. It could be Farley never really gets right or has some rookie growing pains and struggles. Fulton never really takes that step. And you're right back to last year and you've got basically one guy you can rely on at corner and and I don't know you know that that defense probably isn't going to be very good if that's the case so they need at least two you could have one weak link I think but you can't have two out of your top three corners being a weak link so they they need at least one guy to step up opposite Jenkins and really be a good player for them uh, this fall
0: yeah and I I think with the pass rush too there's a little bit more of you know what you're going to get you know it's you're you're relying on your defensive ends, Jeffrey Simmons is going to be in the middle. And then most, for the most part, your outside linebackers, we, we know what Harold Landry is. We kind of expect him to be a little bit better this year than last year. We know what Jeffrey Simmons is and what he's capable of. And we kind of expect him to take that transcendent leap this year as well. If Bud Dupree is healthy, we kind of pretty much know what we're getting with him. We've seen what Danico Autry's been doing. We know what we're kind of getting with him. If everyone plays their part the way they should, you kind of expect the pass rush just to improve, even even if you're just getting the average out of everybody. With the cornerback group, we don't know what the average out of them out of all those guys are because most of them are rookies or their second year players. Didn't really get a lot of playing time. So it, it'll definitely be interesting to see. And I, I do think you're right, Mike. You can't have two weak links. One you can get by with one, but last year we saw that kind of did them in in the playoffs against the Ravens. You had two weak links. Your pass rush could not get to Lamar Jackson. And then once once they started to try to to mass that a little bit, the secondary just got lit up. I just I just both of them are one or both of them is going to need to improve is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's that's part of the thing with Shane Bowen, I think, circling back to that part of the conversation is if even if Shane Bowen was bad last year, and I think we can at least say he wasn't good, um, but I don't know how many defensive coordinators make a team that does not have a good pass rush and, and does not have good coverage look really good that just does not those two, one of those two things has to has to be able to stand on its own and neither could last year so it's it's you know the great defenses have both right so it's you've got to at least shore up one of those and i feel like the pass rush they're closer to having you know answers there or at least guys with track records of providing answers um, and they, they may have to carry the secondary for a little while, at least until, you know, Farley and Fulton, some of these guys kind of get their their sea legs at the cornerback spot.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's a fair point. That's definitely kind of, I think what, that might be the first thing on Shane Bowen's list of this, I need to figure this out first before I kind of worry about everything else. And that kind of transitions into the last topic I want to touch on here. Talked about how many new players the defense has brought in you know, they spent you know, a good portion of their draft bringing in defensive players as well. Out of all the new guys they brought in, this could be a free agent signing, this could be any of the rookies that they drafted. I want to get your guys' opinion on which of the new defensive players do we think is going to have the biggest impact in 2021? And I'll kind of lead off because I'm, I'm really excited about the addition of Danico Autry. I really think he's going to be a nice presence on the end next to Jeffrey Simmons. And Jeffrey Simmons was, was good last year kind of expect a little bit more. But one thing about Simmons I like is that he kind of, he elevates and raises the level of play with the players around him. And you look last year, Jack Crawford and Daquan Jones were the two players that played you know next to him and they combined for four sacks, 78 tackles, 16 quarterback hits, seven tackles for loss. Not overly impressive numbers, but when you're talking about Jack Crawford and Daquan Jones who haven't really been starters for much of their career in the NFL, those are those are really good numbers getting out of those two players. You look at Danico Autry over the last three years when he's been with the Colts playing in, in the AFC South, he he has been a really good force on the end of that defensive line. He had seven and a half sacks last year. That would have – he would have been one of the – I think he would have led the Titans in, in sacks last year, actually. Um, he would have ranked second in tackles for loss and third in QB hits if he had been on this defense last year. And I just – under the last three seasons, he's had at least 17 or more quarterback pressures, and he has 20 combined sacks. I feel like that's kind of getting into – Prime Jarrell Casey, Brian Arakbo, Derek Morgan levels a little bit. Maybe not quite on the level they were, but that's what you expect out of your premier edge rushers. So, so I'm really excited about Danico Autry. I'm kind of curious to, to see what you guys, who you guys picked.
1: Yeah, and Autry to me is uh, an interesting guy too because he's so versatile. You know, it, His season in Indy, I think that he put up uh, nine sacks. He did that the, mainly playing at the three technique for the Colts. Um, so he was playing inside, really the position that Jeffrey Simmons plays for the Titans. And, you know, he put up great numbers in that role. Well, they brought in DeForest Buckner uh, to play that role um, before last last season. And so they bumped Nico Autry really out to defensive end, and he put up seven and a half sacks as a defensive end. So I think the Titans are going to use him in both ways. I think they're going to play him inside. Uh, I think they're also going to play him outside. We've seen the Titans play kind of an almost – Unbalanced um, sub front, which you know, in their nickel package, where they have uh, two defensive tackles, which you know, we'll say uh, Simmons and Tart for for argument's sake here. Uh, but then they have on one defensive end spot they have Autry, but then on the other defensive end spot is really Landry. So it's kind of an unbalanced front um, where you've got a speed guy on one side and kind of a bigger body on the other. But he gives you the ability to do that without sacrificing a ton of pass rush because. Titans did that last year, but they did it with Jack Crawford as the bigger body on the opposite side. And he just doesn't have the same kind of juice as a pass rusher that Autry does. So I think he's really versatile, really interesting. And I think he'll make a he's going to play a ton of snaps for them. He's going to be on the field all the time. Um, The guy I'll pick for this, though, as far as having uh, the biggest impact in 2021, I'm going to go with Bud Dupree. It's kind of the chalk answer, but I think he's got to be the guy if This Titans defense is going to take the next step forward. He is, I believe, eighth in the NFL in sacks over the last two years with um, 19. Um, And, you know, he did that in uh, a a season last year where he was cut short um, by five games because of the ACL injury. So, you know, on a per game pace, he is up there, top five, top six in the league in bringing the quarterback down. And obviously that's something that the Titans have really, really struggled with uh, recently. And and really, even going back to the days when Arakpo and Morgan were playing really well, I think that's the last time this pass rush really had uh, some teeth to it. So Bud Dupree getting back to his form, getting close to, I, I'm not gonna say he has to have 10 sacks, but if he can get, he, he needs eight, right? He needs to do what he did last year, at least. Um, And if he can do that and also create some opportunities for Landry, Simmons, Autry, some of these other guys, uh, attract some attention away from Jeffrey Simmons who was double blocked a ton last year uh, because he was really the only threat on that Titans defensive front. I think he has a potentially, uh, you know, seismic uh, shift ability to his game where he could make a huge difference Uh, in this Titans front if he can come out and click like he did in Pittsburgh the last couple of years. Yeah, and for me, I I thought about
2: choosing Bud Dupree, but I also was thinking, you know, Janoris Jenkins, I think his impact could be huge for the Titans. And the season that he had last year with the Saints was really good. I mean, he had 44 solo tackles. He assisted on 11 of uh, more tackles, and he had 55 total making that – for the whole year and with three interceptions to boot. I think that his addition will be really helpful for the Titans and just his overall play style is something that I think will fit in exactly right for uh, Bowen's defense. And I do think that his impact will go beyond just his at his position and be able to help the defense overall. And he can also be a great mentor for the rest of those young guys that the Titans have drafted this year as well. And I think that because of that, he will be a very key player to watch throughout throughout this whole season and I think that he will be able to be a very have a very impactful season for the Titans defense as well.
0: Yeah, I think the thing with with Jenkins is everyone wants to talk about, you know, he's 32. Watching him play last year for New Orleans, he didn't really look 32. He looks like he's still maybe 28, 29. He hasn't really lost a lot of his speed and I think he's I think he's an underrated coverage corner, and I, I really do think he's going to, I'm not going to say no one's going to miss Malcolm Butler or what a Dory Jackson could have been. Obviously they were good players and they were here for a reason, but I do think Janoris Jenkins is going to kind of ease a lot of the concerns a lot of people have about the cornerback the group just because he, he, yes, he's older, but he isn't really showing that, that drop off that a lot of corners do once they hit 30. Malcolm Butler had a really good, good year last year, the Titans let him go, yes, because he had over a $10 million cap hit, but they I feel like they had a lot of concerns of is he gonna is he gonna get to that cliff that corners do when they're 30 and just kind of kinda plummet? And Norris Jenkins hasn't really shown signs of that.
1: Yeah, and he's he had the he had way more athleticism than Butler had coming into the league. So he had more steps to lose and still be effective. Um so and I, I really don't think he's lost a step, you know, maybe maybe a half step. Uh, at this point, but if you uh, listen to Saints beat writers who covered him last year, a lot of them called called him their best cover corner uh, last year. And that's a team with Marshawn Lattimore on it. So I think he comes in as a better player than probably what his reputation really uh, is at this point NFL wide. Cause I, I know when the Titans did sign him, it didn't come with a ton of fanfare. I don't, I don't think most people were, uh, you know, throwing their their hands up in the air and saying, yes, we got him uh, when they saw Jackrabbit's name come across the scroll. But it's uh, I think he's going to be a good player for them. I think he's still highly effective. And like you said, Austin, he's a really good leader at this point. Some of the comments from his previous coaches uh, and, and the intensity that he brings to practice, I think, rubs off on young guys and this a very young and impressionable cornerback group so having a guy like him around uh could certainly help the development for guys like caleb farley and christian fulton and elijah molden who uh the titans are hoping become kind of the next uh you know wave of good corners for this franchise
0: yeah the way i look at it is i don't i don't feel like you're going to show up on a zoom and demand reporters call you jackrabbit if you don't think you can continue to be a wrecking ball in the in the backfield at age 32 so I, that was a good sign I, I I'm not comfortable calling a grown man jackrabbit but <laughs> if he want if he feels he's earned that that I don't think he's gonna demand that unless he knows that he can continue to play at the high level he's played for the last decade so
1: it's taken some getting used to for sure and and I feel like I need to start writing it like in in my writing uh, on the site because I don't want to, you know, get out there and, and find out Jackrabbit's been reading, you know, Broadway sports and come after me for calling him Janoris because, uh, you know, he very clearly is dictating, you know, Rabbit or Jackrabbit. So I'm, I'm going to have to stick to that.
0: That's a thing too. A lot a lot of, I have no doubt that Mike Vrabel probably does not read a lot of the stuff that we write. Maybe he reads some of Koharski stuff just to give him some shit, but for the large part, I believe a lot of the players probably do go read some of the stuff that we write about them. And, and with someone like Janoris Jenkins, maybe he is keeping a checklist mentally of who calls him Jackrabbit, who calls him <laughs> I'm guilty of calling him Janoris, so maybe I'm on his list.
1: <laughs> I, I probably am right there with you. So uh, we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to hold each other accountable to changing moving forward here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely think so. I have I've yet to have a, an in person interaction with Janoris. Jackrabbit Jenkins. So we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll see how that goes. That'll that'll kind of wrap it up for us. Great stuff again today, guys. Uh, you can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike
1: Miracles, right? That's all right. Yep. Uh, and I'm Broadway On there, there uh, probably too much. Yeah. <laughs>
0: there's there's no such thing as too much Twitter if you're a sports writer or a sports fan. So that's
1: true. That's true.
0: You can true. you can see his writing at Broadway Sports Media. Uh, follow them on Twitter at Broadway Sports Media TN, I believe. John yeah, TN there you go, Broadway TN. John Glennon, uh, trejan Watkins, a lot of really good writers on there on, on the Titans B. So if, if you don't subscribe it, it's like five bucks a month, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're always running specials so you can get it, get it close to five bucks a month. And we do yeah. have a uh, promotion with the uh, Heimerdinger Foundation so that a portion of every subscription does go to uh, their, their uh, cancer support uh, organization.
0: See, there you go. You can skip a day of Starbucks and you can have a monthly subscription. It's, it's that easy. You have to pay for good journalism. So we're, we're, we're trying to change the narrative with that a little bit.
2: That's right. That's right.
0: You can find myself in Austin on the post, uh, myself on Twitter, at AngieSports underscore Austin. What's your Twitter handle again?
2: Austin underscore right 33.
0: There you go. All right. Thank you guys for listening.